the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic for sports fans. The only place to go for breaking news, powerful stories, and live commentary is The Athletic. Open up your browser, visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get 40% off that first year. Subscribe, download the app, keep it with you, personalize it with the favorite teams and leagues, get push notifications and powerful stories with all the content that matters to you most. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. A little basketball, a little football today, but uh, not so much the recap. I did uh, some, some articles on, on .com that kind of do the work for me there terms of an NFL free agency recap. We're not about 10 to 12 days into this process. Lots of movement, as you might imagine. And uh, I broke it down by team on this recent piece, which is new acquisitions. So basically additions and subtractions, but also players that were retained by extension, via brought back. Um, this includes trades. This includes extensions. This includes free agent contracts. And then a link to go and check out who's still out there for that team. So, you know, Tyron Matthews is still an available free agent for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's just one example. But uh, every single team, my thoughts and the additions, subtractions, and retains for each of the 32 NFL franchises. That's now live on spotrack.com. I'm going to be switching gears to baseball here very shortly for some of my work on, on the website. Um, you know, the offseason is, is cranking. Spring training's interesting because everything's so truncated and compressed now that. We're all kind of finding our seed legs quickly, and it's great. It's great. There's a couple of notable free agents out there. I think no, none bigger than Michael Conforto, the, the former Mets outfielder who's yet to find a home. He does have draft compensation tied to him out there, so it might be a bit of a waiting process on him. But for the most part, everybody else has gone. You know, Pitching staffs are starting to round into form. $1.8 billion worth of signings. We're starting to see some internal extensions happen now. Um, you can tell Marte right now in Arizona is the latest one. We saw Max Stasi last week. And uh, certainly Matt Olson in Atlanta raised some eyebrows, but there's a, it's been good. It's been a good process. Not so much for the small market teams who are still very, very small market right now. If you look at our payroll trackers, you know, your Orioles, your, your guardians, your pirates, they're still down at the bottom as we uh, try to crank through some of these pre-arbitration things and, and get some of those numbers filled out. Should have the payrolls built out by the first, uh, you know, by opening day, April 7th. And, uh, I'll be preparing for that with a similar conversation to what I just did with the NFL, right? Notable additions, notable extensions, certainly the trades and breaking down those by team, but just a, a team by team outlook of pre-lockout, post-lockout, how it all came together for these, each team this offseason and what it looks like for 2022 going forward. So that's coming up next on SpotTrack.com. Certainly Keith Smith's pieces are worth your read if you're an NBA fan. He's been detailing players that are either trade conversations, extension conversations, maybe all of the above, and just listing out the four to five different options or ways or paths that player could go. Um, you know, the Bradley Beal one is coming back into the fold because he's, I think, on this trade block coming up here in the next couple of weeks as the regular season winds down. And there's a contract attached to that. It's very Tyreek Hill-like, right? Finally going to leave the, uh, the motherland, but needs to be paid a boatload of money to do it. So... Keith's, Keith's details on a lot of these players has been outstanding. He's going to continue that kind of work right through June as the July 1st deadline gets to us. So a um, little bit of everything right now in terms of the sports on spot track. And we will uh, keep cranking that stuff out as we go. Let's talk some NFL and some NBA and some uh, NBA, all NBA slash extension criteria and how things may be broken a little bit right now for basketball and the superstars that go along with it. Scott Allen joins us next. All right, Scott. Happy Monday. If you had to pick two players in the NBA, one is Will Smith, one is Chris Rock. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, let's talk a little NBA. Um, Mark Stein had an interesting thread that I know you pushed my way a couple of days ago that I want to get to because it does have financial ramifications. It's about the all-NBA system. I know our, uh, our good compadres over at The Ringer talk about this quite a bit in terms of uh, how the, the NBA has become basically positionless and it should really just be about the top five, right? Or the top 15, if we're talking about these teams, because there's so much that goes into it now with the, uh, the early extension availability in terms of the, uh, you, you know, the percentage tiers that we've broken down for, for baseball and basketball here a little bit recently. What are your thoughts with this? We, we joke around about how many of these sports are becoming positionless, but when, when it matters to this kind of degree, uh, how do how do we bridge that gap? 
Yeah, it, it's a it's a tough conversation to have because in in one hand, the the players are getting these incentives built in that are part of all NBA or defensive player of the year. But then on the other hand, which is a good thing because it's incentivizing those that are uh, achieving those. But then on that other hand, it's in the hands of the writers and who is voting for these players. So when we talked about this back during the all-star break, you know, you're getting fans involved in voting in all-star in, to some extent has a, a, a ramifications on if thresholds are met for those incentives to get the unlikely up to likely or likely back down to unlikely, which is important when it comes down to if a team is hard capped or not. Sure. Um, so with that respect, with the all NBA conversation that has now come up with positions or not positions, what to do, it, it's super important because you have players that, especially the rookie scale extensions, we're seeing more and more that these players that are getting these extensions are signing with tiers involved. So whether it's a, the 25% is the bottom, but then if you get uh, all NBA third team, they might throw in a, a 26% of the cap, or if they get all NBA first team, it jumps up to the 30%. But then, you know, there's caveats in there where it's not tiered, where if you just make an NBA team, right then you're going to automatically trigger the 30% if you can get to it. And it, and that's important because if, if you're um, in a certain position where a player that doesn't usually go into that position gets voted in and that takes out that one spot for that player that could have been next man in, that's super important for those tiers. So let's get specific. Um, you know, obviously, the, if you've been following the NBA this year, the, the, the discussion is with, really with the big men. And, and there's three of, I guess, th- three guys in the conversation here, not just for MVP, but obviously for these, these all NBA kind of uh, configurations. It's not going to matter too much to them con- con- contractually, right? I mean, uh, you know, Giannis, and, uh, Joker, and, uh, and Embiid are pretty much locked in here. Though I think Joker could be extended here, if not this offseason next. I'll have to look at that. But Yeah, it's a, this offseason. He triggered yeah. the Supermax last offseason, but he couldn't sign the extension until this upcoming offseason because of the timing of when he signed the original extension. So he already has triggered it, and he could sign it this offseason. Does an MVP supersede an All-NBA in terms of that extension? No, he... he it, it, if he gets an MVP, it's just another accolade onto his resume. He's already triggered it, so he's already locked into being able to go up to that super. Let's threshold. say Evan Mobley. Oh, you know where I'm going? Like, it's getting crowded with that big man room right now, which is crazy because it, three years it, ago we thought there was going to be a freaking deprecated position, but it's is it just is it just a situation, Scott, where the timing's just weird? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, so many NBA players in the Jordan years just had to be the guy behind Jordan, <laughs> you know, and they had to live with that. And they were never going to be all NBA or, or whatever you wanted to be in terms of that starting all-star game because he was there. Is that the devil's advocate point of view for this, that either you're the best or you're not the best? Mm, yes. But again, going back to the positions, you could be uh, the best or not the best best in a certain position and if uh, if there's multiple the best in a position in in the, the instance of joker and Embiid, we have two of the best of yeah. the best but depending on how and this is the other part depending on how the voting goes down both of them could make all nba okay. first team uh, if, extrapolate if, on this because you're right this is where it gets fishy because people start gaming the system a little bit if they right. want to but only if they want to you know what i mean like it's a very uh it's a very self-check decision here. So, so you're right. One could be a center. One could be a forward in this regard, right? Correct. And it's based on which position they got the most votes on. So they could both definitely be all NBA uh, first if, if that fell into place. But if they got the majority of their votes, both at center, one of them is first NBA, all NBA at center. And then the other is going to be second all NBA at center. So I think that's why we're starting to see more of a push because of 
the game has become more positionless. I mean, th- if you think of LeBron, yeah. he, he could be a point guard, he could be a forward, he could be, I mean, he's all over the place. And then if if you do slot him in as a point guard, then that takes away from the quote-unquote true point guards that could fall into those categories and which, you know, when you have a player like, uh, you know, I use John Morant for an example sure. because he's he's a point guard. If there were two other point guards ahead of him in the voting, but then LeBron slid in as a point guard, that means he would be fourth in the point guard. And so, you know, obviously jockeying is super important, which is why you're seeing a a bigger push. And we've talked about this in the past, and which is why I wanted to bring it up again, because with the level of money that is involved, it's we're on the precipice of needing to go to positionless. And it's just, the, the top five votes because of players are all over the place, whether they're a center, they're a stretch forward, they're a stretch center, uh, a, a power forward who's actually playing point guard. Can I offer it, a different option? Absolutely. Because obviously I sit in the NFL world and, and to some degree now the baseball world as well, which has sort of gone in this direction as well. This is obviously reminding me of the fifth year option, which we talked about just a couple of weeks ago and how it's now tied to money and, um, pro bowls and things like that. Um, so Mike is tight end for the Miami dolphins spent X percentage of time in this, as a slot wide receiver, a lot uh, enough to where many of us were surprised that he didn't contend the position for the franchise tag this off season. Um, he may still, but for now he's a tight end, which is 6 million less than what a wide receiver would be making. But from a statistical standpoint, he's a wide receiver. And he could go to arbitration process and say, here's my stats, here's my lineups, here's my formations, here's my positioning. I deserve that $6 million. And we've seen it happen. Shaq Barrett just had a, a situation where he was deemed a, a linebacker, not a defensive end uh, last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he was credited cash. Tampa Bay has to eat a cap credit this year, a cap loss this year because of that situation that went down in arbitration. My point is, it's tied to stats. It's tied to stats. It's tied to formations. It's tied to all this data that we have for all these sports. Why can't the NBA, who is generally in the forefront of this crap, start to build out a system? Okay, well, if Joker sits on the three-point line 80% of the time, you know, or if he's involved in X amount of assists or however you have to do it, you know, paint, time in the paint, points in the paint, two-pointers versus three-pointers, whatever you have to do, uh, maybe it's a defensive metric, right? Is he doing the, the majority of his defensive work inside the paint versus however you have to handle it? This is what qualifies as a center. This is what qualifies as a guard. And, he, and we go from there. I think there's got to be at least a path to that. And by the way, the reason I bring baseball into this is baseball is now starting to bring war into this pre-arbitration system. They're going to start using legitimate statistics to compensate young players. And they're going to start doing something with this shift in the next couple of months. They're going to put some sort of formational structure in place that says, you know, the second baseman can't go here. The third baseman can't go here, which is going to more actually define those positions, actually go in the other direction with baseball. So I I think basketball maybe just be behind the game a little bit, which is rare for us to say out loud about this, this organization. But I, I feel like they can... They could go one of two ways. What you're saying is just throw out the positions. Just give us the top 15. Is it three teams? Top 15? Or is it two uh, teams? Um, yep. Yeah, so three teams. So 15 players. So should it be just give me the 15 best players regardless of their position, which is kind of what you've been saying and what a lot of the people have been saying about this? Or should they go the complete opposite extreme, Scott, and say they have to qualify under these metrics to be an all NBA center. Yeah, I, I think we were on that verge. I, I'll go one step further and maybe because you do have the writers that do vote or the media that does vote because they watch as many games as possible or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a weighted system where statistics count X amount and the media voting counts X amount and you put them together and you have some formula that is the best of both worlds in some instances so that you still have that eye test where statistics don't necessarily uh, compensate for some area that we can't see in a box score per se. 
But it's um, it's funny because you know a player like LeBron, who is this five tool guy, he can literally play in every position or or do anything on the court as necessary. The, is his stature negated in this? Like, is is somebody on the East Coast who watches LeBron a couple times a year and sees him facilitating the offense going to vote for him as a guard? And then he wouldn't get enough votes as a forward because of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, does the versatility make less clarity in this position? It, it, to me, it's completely backwards. It, it's you—you you are discrediting the most versatile players in the sport. Versus, if guy is a role and he's good at his role, that guy is a slam dunk. You know, and and that's wrong right. to me. That's wrong. Yeah, and I think that's why this conversation is coming up because of the versatility that we are we've we've started to see over the past couple of years, but we're seeing it more and more as uh, these these seasons continue and and because of the the crop of players that are coming in, they're becoming more uh-huh. versatile, especially when you're bringing overseas players. Uh, so you know the NBA is gonna have to get out in front of this at some point because, you know, it, it only takes one, maybe two times where there is a, a snub that shouldn't have happened. And then uh, and you're right. They're usually out front of these things. And for some reason, there's been very little conversation, at least from what I've heard and read, that there's any tinkering with it. Yeah. I expect something to happen because you're right. It's going to you can't let. Uh, a massive snub that where a guy loses out on 30 to $40 million be the reason that things have to change. You can't be reactive to this. You have to be proactive yet. Right. You do. And to go back to one of your questions that you said, and I don't think I answered it when MVP over Trump's all NBAs, it, it can, if you win the MVP in any of the three most recent seasons, it automatically triggers a super max for you. And I know that's, on the surface, that's a dumb question because which what MVP is not going to be first team All NBA? Well, it it honestly might happen this year. It might. It might. It honestly if, might happen this year. <laughs> and 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 I think that's another aspect of why this is coming up because if say uh, you know Embiid gets MVP and Joker is the center yeah. All NBA first and Joe and Embiid is the second All NBA. It, it is a real possibility that it could happen. Embiid might be third team All NBA and the MVP of the league. I mean, couldn't you see Joker and Giannis ahead of him? I could. Yeah, I, I definitely could. <laughs> I could. <laughs> because but I think Gian, Giannis yeah. is probably more slotted to go into the forward with power <laughs> forward type thing for but no reason. Again, for no reason. It, it, but, it, but again, it just depends on how people perceive him. And and maybe, maybe it is a tiered system. Like you said, maybe you have to have statistics tell you which players are eligible for yeah. what position. And then the voting is based on what players are in those eligible positions. And now I know there's going to be some that are rolling eyes or chiming back. Absolutely not. But, at least the conversation has to start happening within the league itself. I, I actually think it'd be good for the sport too. You know, I, I mean, I know it sounds kind of stupid, but I'm sure there's numbers of people out there that do this kind of work and have this kind of data, right? Like, like of the three, Embiid, Joker, and Giannis, who do you think shoots the most jump shots? Is it between oh. Joker and Giannis? Yeah, I would, if, if I had to guess, I would say Giannis is probably first on that right. now. I mean, his game has evolved, so I think he's doing more of those jumpers. Than so can I ask you, Scott, is past. that why you immediately kind of said, oh, he's probably more of a forward? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this conversation could probably just just, just evolve out of nowhere like this. If, yeah, it could. Yeah. You're right. And Joker, I mean, if you're adding in the three-pointer, Joker shoots probably more three-pointers, I guess, yeah. than uh, the other two. So. You're right. It's a it's a triangle of give and take of which which metrics do you want to focus on? And just because Joker is a big man that can shoot a three, does that necessarily need to take away from him being a center or should he do we have to reconstitute um, the designation of what a center is, even though he is a big guy that is predominantly down low. I, I think um, going back to the actual formations, and I know that's a hell of a lot of work, but let's be honest, this stuff is being tracked, right? Like where does Joker position himself offensively the majority of the time, right? In, in a, in a half court offense, when it, when it's five V five, 
where where is he generally playing ball? Is it behind the three line? Is he sitting at the top of the key? Is he sitting in the paint for a couple of seconds? You know, what, because that's the same conversation as Mike Kosecki. You know, Mike Kosecki's not sitting next to the left tackle most of the time. He's out. He's in the slot. And, and that's the argument to be made. Same thing with the Shaq Barrett, defensively speaking, right? I mean, he's stopped. He's not on that line most of the time. He's back off. He's, he's moving behind the, you know, left and right on, in, in that linebacking core and more of a 4-3 structure. So he was awarded the, uh, the designation of the, of the position change because of it. To me, it's probably that easy. You just look defensively and off- offensively as, at, at the formations of these guys. And can you, can you then make the argument that that can be fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Right, like right. for the last like half of the season, if the guy's trending towards all NBA, do you just start to play more more paintball? I, I guess, but that's just how it works. That's how it worked in football, you know. And, and for baseball, be, you know, what's the equivalent? The right fielder starts throwing guys out at first base a lot, so he becomes trending as an infielder. He's he's <laughs> a he's a he's a modified second baseman in right field. It's not going to happen. But for for the sports that have the, the correlation formation wise, but I guess with the shift, right? If the third baseman plays enough second base shift wise, right, there could be an argument to be made that, you know, Josh Donaldson is now an uh, an all MLB second baseman because he played 40 games from a shift perspective at second base. It could get there. They're not going to let it, but uh, we're getting more and more of that across the sports is my point in bringing this up. And right. The NBA has massive, massive money tied to it. So they better get out in front of it. And I think, one of the two things will happen. Either A, the, the positions just get dropped from the LNBA, which will be sad because you'll start, you, you'll lose the historical references if they do that. You know, you won't be able to say the 2022 center versus the 1950 center. Um, but I, I do think stats and, and formations and analytics can really help here if they want to go that route. Yeah, completely agree. All right. The Lakers are on the precipice of falling out of the playoffs, Scott. Le- LeBron's hurt again. The Pelicans, who just jumped them in the standings, beat them yesterday after like a 20-point deficit. Uh, is it shut it down time? Might be. Yeah. They're, they're one game ahead of San Antonio right now to, for the 11 seed. So with, what, two weeks left? I mean, a lot can happen. So there is an absolute chance that... Oh, if LeBron's out, out, though, it's, it's over. They're going to be out. Yeah, if he's out, he's definitely... They're definitely... The percentage is higher that they're definitely going to be out than if he was in the lineup, sure. You're right. Do they, do they just shut it down, call it a season, call it... You know, because if you get into that... 9-10, they're not even the home team for that game. So they're going to have to okay. go to New Orleans as of right now if the season ended now. And then they'd have to play again for right now, who which would be the uh, Timberwolves Clippers. If they did win, they'd have to play the winner of that to try to get into the a uh, the, the eighth seed. So, <laughs> I mean, they're not even beat the bad teams, let alone the, the, the medium team. So uh, right. it's not even it, a consideration it, for me. At this point, I just want them out so, so that we stop forcing ourselves to talk about it because we're going to be talking about them enough in two months. Oh yes. Mid June, you know, where's where's Westbrook going? Is LeBron going to be traded? What's going to happen to this entire roster? Right. I I mean, that's all real now, extremely real because this is now embarrassing for LeBron. Unfortunately, it's just not something he has ever had to go through and he's going to have to deal with it for the next two to three months until there's major change in LA, which I fully expect now. Speaking of the New Orleans Pelicans, who I, do think have had a hell of a second half here, but it hasn't been with Zion. I know you've, you kind of uh, piqued my interest again with him this past uh, month or so. And then obviously the Instagram post that he put out there with where he's jumping off two feet and dunking like he's back in Duke, which completely goes against everything we've heard, which is not much. And that's the point. We're still not hearing from this guy or this or his camp or the Pelicans from New Orleans standpoint. I just feel like they're afraid to talk. Because the second they say anything, it's going to be fuel for, for Zion's camp to say, get me the hell out of here, even though we think that's exactly what's being said here behind the scenes, right? Can we just say right. that out loud now? This is a tank job? Yeah. I, it's either I one of two things. So. Let, let, me, let me clarify. It's either a complete tank job he wants out and, he's, and he doesn't want to play for this team until he's out. Or he doesn't want to play basketball until he's out. Or he's, he is really, really chronically injured despite the video right like he felt good for a day and said i'm gonna go dunk and put it on on socials but the people around him 
know better. They know that this guy is a ticking time bomb when it comes to these injuries. And he just, he's just not going to have the career because of it. Is that a possibility here? Oh, I think so. Because if we saw one video, which is a small snapshot, yeah, no who, who knows if he did that video and he landed and hurt himself or he was feeling the pain the next day. We don't know that. But the the, the powers that be CGI, that, Scott, <laughs> it, it, it could be CGI. It could be the deep fake stuff where you run the animal. You know, I'm, I would not put it past that. So I'm sure there's, a, a, you know tech geeks that are would be running that to figure that out if that was the case. But I think the Pelicans are smart for staying quiet right now. There's only two weeks left. So you really don't need to say anything because you've said enough that you're not playing him. You haven't played him in, uh, you know, 75 games. So yeah. what's another, you know, few games, uh, two weeks here, Yes, they may be into the play in and they're going to have even more spotlight because you're going to get that. They've uh, been great. They've been great to watch. And now with Ingram back, they've got another level of, sh- of shooting and scoring. Uh, this, this team and, is on the rise. It's well, so and, counterintuitive and, here. Well, I, I want to add to that as you say that if you bring Zion now, that throws a whole wrench into that whole roster that has actually been doing well for the, the second half, like you said. So. If you're the coaching staff, yes, Zion has that presence, but if you have a well-oiled machine, even though you're a nine seed, I get it. But if you're playing well from a roster structure standpoint, do you want to throw that wrench in there that may throw off the timing because he hasn't been playing or he hasn't been practicing with those players? I I think from the front office standpoint, you're like, oh, we're going to drag our feet even more because – we just want to get into the off season and, and then assess. It, it's so weird. I mean, I, I, I don't think he ever plays for new Orleans again, Scott. That's just where my head is. I, whether that's the team now saying exactly what you're saying, which is we've kind of figured things out without him, And we're just going to continue down that path. And at, at some point we're going to get some draft picks for this guy and move on. To me, it's all about, does that happen pre or post extension? That's the most interesting part here. Do they pull the trigger before they extend this guy? Because that, then it's just about draft picks. You know, it's not about bringing back some, some veteran players for him to match some salaries, things like that. Um, well, I guess that wouldn't matter, right? Because he's got one more year. Yeah, he does. He's a $5 million guy next year. Is that correct? Somewhere uh, around there? 10? Uh, no, it's about 11-ish. Okay, so $11 million. So you're bringing back a player with some picks. At some, to some degree, to trade him before the extension or even if you do the extension. So I'll put that back on you because you follow this stuff and I know you and Keith talk about this stuff quite a lot. And Keith has a great piece on Track from about a month ago now that's still pretty relevant, may become more relevant as we go here uh, with the options. Do you think that New Orleans, I, I guess just kind of projecting what the hell's going on behind the scenes here, is going to extend him regardless of everything else? Oh, it's such a hard decision. I, I would say move me personally. If I was in charge, I would move them now and let the, uh, let the next team decide. Let, on the, extension. Let the next team deal with the extension. Yeah. Let them deal with any injury protections. Let them deal with. I, I tend to agree, Scott, even if you're getting 90 cents on the dollar for this, which you're probably going to be. Yeah. But it, with the moves that they've made, I think I would be okay with them getting 90 cents on the dollar because you brought in those veterans. You see it working. I, I, I feel and if you're way. trading Zion, now and you bring back e- even a another complementary player that could plug into that team going into next season. I, I think I would do that as soon as possible, especially if in- internally you've decided, even if we extend him, we know we're going to have to move on from him in two years. Uh, because, you know, if he signs that extension, then it's a poison pill and it messes up the matching salaries. And it, we've been down that road. So if, if I'm, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm moving him as, as quickly as possible if I already know he's not for the long as a Pelican. Why, why prolong that? Just, you know, cut, cut the string and move on. The reason I'm with you, Scott, so much is not that they have to do anything that he says at this point. I mean, they, they own the control and the leverage here, in my opinion. But, you know, they could trade him to, to the worst team in basketball if they wanted to. They could. That's their prerogative. 
But the fact that the Knicks are bad right now, <laughs> right? And, and kind of listless because they did all, they, they had a really active year and a half in terms of signing guys, bringing some guys back, kind of really trying to quickly build around Julius Randle, which has been a nightmare this year. So that they're, they're sort of in what the hell do we do mode as well. Is that, is that fair? I've seen a decent amount of yeah. Knicks games and I, I know where yep. they are in the standings and I kind of know it's probably going to be much of this team worth a coach this offseason. But that's got to be a landing spot for Zion internally, don't you think? And his camp? That has to be one of the teams on the list, even if they're bad. Just, yeah. be, just yeah. because of everything that goes with it. Right? Well, that in the conversation of, oh, I'd love to play here in Madison Square Great. Garden, wink, wink. Which is a 30-year-old thing to say, but it's, apparently it still applies. So the Knicks are bad. The Knicks need a lot. The Knicks are theoretically going to be able to open up quite a bit of room here for a player like this plus other players if they want to do that. I think there's a couple of guys in that roster that New Orleans would take. Uh, don't you? <laughs> I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, there's some playmakers. There's some guards for sure. There's a couple of big men. You know, is Obi Toppin in this conversation? Possibly. And that's a heck of a, a, a gadget player to go with a nice set of veterans that you mentioned that they brought in here. I just like that dynamic right now. And oh, by the way, the Knicks are going to have a pretty decent pick, you know, this year right now to give up if that's part of the process. That's got to be attractive to New Orleans, I I would think, knowing that A, Zion would be completely fine with this, even though they don't have to get that sign off. But you don't want to ruffle feathers on the way out, I wouldn't think. Similar to what they did with Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis basically said it's the Lakers or I'm, what, retiring? I don't know. And, uh, so uh, just the, the idea that those two teams now have probably similar thinking, similar thoughts in mind this offseason makes me think this could be a very real possibility J- July 1st. Before anything else happens, financially speaking, let's just make this move. Let's let the next deal with it. They're in their own kind of situation. And we're not anymore. You know, New Orleans is not the Knicks. They're, they are, they're headed in, in a way better direction than I think a lot of us anticipated them being. But it was a hell of a trade deadline for them. So. I, I do agree with you. If you've got to sell a little bit low here just to kind of move away from that situation, which stinks because he's, he's an all-world player when things are right. And, and they may regret it in three years and who knows. But I just think it's where they are as an organization as it, and as a team on the court, it, it's time for good ridden. Yeah, if you feel that the, it's a toxic situation, you just got to get out of it. And yeah. I think we're on that, uh, that point where... <laughs> It may be time to to move on. Whether they they pull the trigger pre July first and use the twenty twenty one twenty two money, or they wait until after July first and then make a, a trade. Then using him, you know, he could be a a piece in a sign and trade with a f- possible free agent to bring in. So there are some sure. timing issues with that, and then again if he doesn't sign the extension, those rookie extensions are, you know, they can be done up until October of that first game of the regular season. So they don't have to necessarily do the the extension right away. They can drag their feet and, and then move on in a trade still in July into August if they, if they have to. But I think what you're, what you're saying is if that is a super toxic situation, you don't want to have to deal with it for the next five years because you sign well, six years because he would be under contract. You know, you don't want to wait two or three to actually move him in the middle of that because you don't know injury wise where he may be. Then you, you cut your ties. You'd you'd rather get ninety cents on the dollar than twenty cents on the dollar three years later. If you're Zion, do you want out right now? Because I'm, I'm quickly rereading Keith's piece here, and there's a really interesting caveat. We talked about this all-NBA stuff, right? <laughs> and the mm-hmm. designated extensions. He has not yet qualified, obviously. No, he He's hasn't. played you know, a game and a half in his career. But, but he could qualify by playing 2022-23 as an all-NBA player. If he makes Correct. one of those teams, he can jump up to the, th- to the, t- the 30% mark, right? Or the he 20, the, yeah, the 30% mark yep. immediately, which is millions, millions more. 40 million more, according to Keith. So 
does he want to get traded this offseason? Because the second he gets traded away from New Orleans, Scott, does that go away? The all NBA all NBA part, no, that that still applies. Okay, I thought you had to be in the same team. I think you do, Scott. Okay, nope, I'm wrong. I'm wrong here, Scott. So he can be traded. He can go to the Knicks. He can be an all NBA player for the Knicks next year, and then still get that two hundred and twenty million dollar extension, right? Yeah, and and maybe maybe that is why it is a calculated reason that that video came out when it did with the <laughs> remaining time left in the season of, Hey, look, I can play. And then it's ruffles some feathers in the front office and sort of says, Oh, that's your- fascinating. I didn't think about this. Is that him basically saying I, I can play. They're just not letting me. Yeah, possibly. Oh, Jesus. Possibly. That's I, a I mean, John Wall situation. So if, if that's the case, then do we end up having a player that says, all right, I want out, you know, wait until the off season, move me. And maybe internally the conversation is have happening. You know, we really, the, the, the whole situation is extremely fascinating because yeah. we really have had dark, you know, it's been dark from the, the Pelicans from, from go, you know, they sort of felt like they had to say something at media day about Zion in the off season, which caught everybody off guard. And then the timetable kept getting pushed back, but they've, truly been dark about the rehab anything which has been interesting because it's been fairly dark from Zion's side but then all of a sudden you get this video and everyone's a stir over this video and <laughs> like not it, enough though not enough stir no but it's probably from if you look at it from Zion's side it's probably just enough to to say what you need to without it, I think you're right. Implicating yourself without right. without you being Anthony be. Davis, right? I think you're right, Scott. And and without saying how injured you may still be. Like I said, that was a 20 second video of him dunking. He could have been in. He could have still been injured. He could have, hmm. uh, you know, still been feeling soreness or whatever it may be. But he was able to do that one 20 second thing real quick. We can all do something real quick for 20 seconds to get it on video and say, oh, we're we're completely healthy and good to go. But okay, ready? Know, it, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Zion Williamson. Is there one more? Dame Lillard. Who's traded first this offseason? Oh, wow. All very um, real, correct? All very real? Oh, I think all are very real okay. for sure. Um, Take that NFL offseason. Yeah, right. You know, that would that would definitely <laughs> spike everything conversation wise. Everyone loves the NBA offseason. Um, as far as who goes first, um, you know what? I think it's gotta be Westbrook. Even though yeah, he's probably the least tradable of that he group. Is, but who's gonna take who's I, gonna take that on? You just have to I, do it. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Zion. First. I, I'm going to say Zion for the reason of what we just talked about. And I think the the Pelicans organization is in a place where they're realizing we're on the up and up and we're going to continue on this up and up. Whereas the Lakers, they are in this weird limbo of what, what do we do with LeBron with his conversation? Do, do we make a move? Do we extend him? Or we have Davis. Do we move him because we have to, because we need to get depth Westbrook. Can you really get anything back for him? You know, is there a team that's really going to want to give you no. something? Oh, no, him? they probably, they're probably sending that 2027 first with them, Scott. It, that, and that is the, the dilemma. Do you do that? Or do you just sacrifice one more year? <laughs> oh and if you God, sacrifice no. one more year, then you ruffle LeBron feathers. You well, ruffle. Okay. Okay. Then you're, it, you're right. The the anti conversation to that is you you keep the pick, you keep Westbrook, you trade LeBron, and re and reset from there, and yes. just and just make it Westbrook's team. And if you get Davis, you get Davis. But I don't. How can you even count on that right now? You know what I mean. But get LeBron out, make him happy, let let his legacy go go be somewhere else, I guess. And then you, then you just kind of rebuild because yourself through the Westbrook situation the, for one year. It's just one year. W- one year. You and then you're gonna have. I'd, I'd have to double check, but they probably are gonna have some 
pretty nice cap space sure. if they were able to re- renounce that. They'll have Davis unless they moved him. So it, it they are at a point where they're going to have to decide, do we move on from LeBron and potentially AD, eat it for a year, reset? We don't have picks, so we're going to have to get, you, you know, picks maybe come back in with, LeBron and AD, if you move them, so you're sort of restocking from that aspect. But it's a fascinating point of contention for them to have to figure out. I don't think it's a dumb move. I I don't think it's a dumb move either. I think you have to accept who the hell you are right now. You know what I mean? Like these guys, even if they have a a ceiling where where they could do this again, I I just think with the age and, and and the injuries and the mileage, you cannot rely on that for 82 games plus. You just can't do it. So... Don't even try. Just rip this Band-Aid off. Accept the fact that you got one title before the Westbrook era, and you're just going to have to limp through 2022-23 and then reset in 20, you know, thereafter. But it's just not good business, let alone good basketball, obviously, as the 11th seed here, trending towards the 11th seed, to uh, continue down this road. So something's gonna, something massive is going to happen there, whether it's LeBron or, or Westbrook. Um, one more question, and then we'll get out of the basketball conversation here. If so, the next conversation I had with Zion. Let's say it's a it's a decently attractive pick this year, but the draft is June twenty third. So would they have to trade him under twenty twenty one twenty two parameters to to utilize that pick this year, or is it, it, what is the deadline for trading this year's draft picks? Is my is my question? Uh, within, I mean, te- technically they could trade them. After the draft, it would just be honor system. Uh, <laughs> well, it would be right. It would be pro. It would process after. Now, the, the caveat is if you're using 2021 money, uh, meaning this season's money during the off season, the pro you would have to process it before July one. So you could trade the pick and say an honor system and Zion. It would right. Be this is the BS where we could June. This is where. The, uh, the Knicks would draft that player and he'd wear the Knicks hat and then eventually yep. become the Pelicans player when the trade is processed. That's that Correct. BS? All right. It, it, otherwise, uh, and this, this happened in this last offseason, a lot of the trades were agreed upon in June there, right before the draft or there after the draft. It didn't actually process until July right. because of money purposes. So they were waiting to use the the... 2022 2021 money going into that new season and then that pick was processed after the fact so yes they were drafted with said team they put on said hat month later a couple weeks later processed they go to that other team i'm gonna agree with you i think this gets done it, it, isn't it James Harden ask where you just want it to be done? Oh, it's worse. And it's worse it, than Harden because it's he's just I'm going away. <laughs> I'm not even going to go through the semantics on the court. I, I'm just going. I'm literally going to Portland. Bye. I'll see you. Like it's it's way worse. And and by the way, if this is all about him having chronic injuries, then uh, you know certainly we're being insensitive to that. But we don't know, and that's the point. We have no freaking idea, and whether or not the team knows is our guess as well. So. For now, to me, he's a he's a candidate to be traded yep. in June, July, and uh, and I'd put him right at the top of that list. Even though I do think now that we've kind of talked this out, it could be a nice little uh, off season of superstar trades yet again, Scott, in the NBA. I, I was just gonna say, after what we just saw with the NFL yeah. and all these massive trades, it's sort of like the NBA has the opportunity to say, "We're gonna one up you uh, with our off season because we've got all these potential uh, superstars or." going into the late ages of their superstardom uh, that could be on the move. And it's, it's going to be fascinating for a year where free agency is on all accounts going to be not the greatest crop. (laughs) Yeah. Nor, nor do I think it ever will be again, by the way. (laughs) Oh, I don't, yeah. I I don't think we're ever going to get there because it's just not a process. Any of these guys ever want to go, they don't need it. They can just go to their GM and say, here's where I want to go or their agent, sorry, just calls the GM and says, this is where my guy's going. You figure out how to get it done for you, but it's going to happen. Otherwise, we're, uh, we're, we're going to raise a shitstorm, right? I mean, that's, that, that's kind of how the NBA works now. And by the way, the NFL is right there. 
kind of 1A, 1B in terms of where that's going. And uh, I think we're going to see a heck of a lot more than that. I do want to switch gears to the NFL with the same conversation, though, Scott. I was talking to Cousin Dan a little bit about this stuff because he's, you know, he's assessing what's just gone down in the NFL from a gambling slash fantasy perspective, right? As he starts to gear up, obviously, he's still on baseball mode with that. But, you know, the NFL stuff is going to come to his forefront soon with all these changes. And we were thinking about, is the quarterback carousel dead? Like, it's been two really good, crazy years of it. And it could have been more, but it wasn't. We got plenty of it. But just quickly think around the league. Who's ne- who's left? Who's going to get tossed around with any legitimacy next year? I-, I guess Aaron Rodgers could be in that conversation still because of the way his contract is structured as we broke down. But I wouldn't bet on that right now, even though that team might be a dumpster fire <laughs> as, unless they make some significant draft picks here. But who is it? Who, who, Kirk Cousins again, maybe, but is that really attractive to, you know, a dozen teams out there? I'm not sure anymore. Any, some of these rookies may fall off, right? Jalen Hurts may fall off. Tua may fall off. Certainly Baker's headed down that path. But I don't, I don't know that we, I, I think we've exaggerated the, the, the process that the NFL is just going to become the NBA now. And, and every offseason, there's just going to be massive movement at all the star positions. I can't even fathom a quarterback that, of of worth that could move next year. Can you? Not unless we go down that conversation of uh, what we had last week, where you're you're going for one of those third year rookies that you want to really pursue and throw a boatload of picks at. Yeah, right, like a Kyler. Yeah, but Kyler, but he's not an established vet that nope. teams are going to go all in on and try to win the Super Bowl in, in the next three months with. He's just not that guy. I mean, he, he might be a great fit somewhere else if, if it gets to that point. But, you know, Matthew Stafford's not moving. Russell Wilson's not moving. Uh, we, we're, Stack may be the only question mark. Okay, that's a good one. I'll, I'll give that one. That, that, that one's got some potential, though Dak doesn't really have the pedigree. Not that Stafford did either. Um, but I think it's also this. And this is a whole other element to the conversation, which is going to change really the sport for the next few years. The reason there isn't that, Scott, is 80% of this league is now young quarterbacks, <laughs> right? And, and that's right. only going to get worse in, in these other positions as some of these veterans get priced out. We, like, like I said, that, to me, this Devontae Adams situation was not about, I need to get the hell out of Green Bay. It was, I need to get my money. This team is not willing to do it to that level. I, I don't believe for a second that Green Bay offered that contract, by the way. Not for a second. And by the way, if they did, it was all signing bonus. They don't guarantee salaries unless you're an absolute freak. They don't do it. So it, I, I think we're getting to a breaking point with a lot of these other positions that's going to say, that's going to basically say, look, I don't need, I don't need one great wide receiver. I need four good ones. I don't need one great edge rusher. I need a defensive tackle that can do everything. I don't need, you know, a shutdown corner. I need a safety who can play safety and cornerback. You, you know what I mean? Like I, we're getting to that point where versatility is so key in the NFL. Position, positionless? Not so much positionless, just um, exclusivity is going to be gone completely. You know, right. like Devontae Adams I is do. excellent. He's outstanding. But for the most part, a lot of these other teams get by with throwing two guys out there that can replicate Adams, Adams statistics. You know, I mean, certainly the 49ers have shown they can do that with their gimmick and gadgets and whatever. And the, and the Dolphins now are going to try to be that with Tyreek Hill. And a right, contract. and you make a great point. You throw two players out that are going to make twenty yeah, to thirty percent less. <laughs> yeah, it's Moneyball. It, it's, it's you know baseball thirty years ago, where the NFL has already done this with running backs because they've been forced to because of the injuries, because of you know the nature of the game of the sport and the way the offenses work now. But I, I've been waiting for the point where the where the wide receiver position was going to come to this, and I do think we have hit the top of the mountain. I do think now teams look at the Adams and the Hill contracts and say, this is freaking ridiculous. There's no way we can do that with one player at that position. He's, just, he's, not, he's not the quarterback. There's no, there's no reason that somebody at that position should be making $30 million more than somebody we have at that position. And that's what's happening right now. And, and that's what happened in baseball a few years yes. ago where the owners were like, what are we doing? Why are we paying this much money for this player? And, and then right. sort of... 
quote unquote collusion, drag your feet. We're not going to well, pay that amount of money. Because anymore. what happens after that, Scott, is then we have to start protecting these veterans. I'm not sitting here saying I don't want Devonta Adams to get paid, but I'm worried that what where this market is going, where Drew Rosenhaus is taking this wide receiver market, and by the way, kudos to him, is is going to come back to get him. They're taking it so far away from the rookie wage scale that teams, many teams, maybe most teams are going to say, no way, I'm never doing that. Never, never, never. It's just not, it doesn't have the clout that a quarterback position does. And I don't think it ever will because like I said, teams, most teams say we need four, not one. And if you got well, one, you really have none. <laughs> and, and to add on to that, these, these, these salaries that they're, they're signing at now have no impact on the upcoming right. franchise tag next year. It would be two years out. So it, yes, you're helping rise the value for those wide receivers, but it's sort of pushed down the, the line a little bit. So sure. some of those franchise tags, when you're projecting forward are going to be even higher in the next, you know, two years, three years out because of those salaries. And then you're going to have teams maybe not necessarily wanting to even franchise tag. So it's a, a give and take, as you're saying. Now, with the, the quarterback situation, this is what I find what has happened over the last 12 months super interesting because we've, we've had that conversation of, well, the quarterback draft isn't really great. Well, because it's not great, look at what happened. All these trades have happened because of said down entity with the quarterback in the draft. Can and I then throw this back go- at you though? What if what if there was at least one slam dunk quarterback? Is is there a team that would say, well, then we're definitely out on Russell Wilson? You know what I'm saying? I I, I guess you would have to assess the amount in the draft that you would have had to give up to. Sure. It, depending on where that team was, like we talked about last week for what they, what the Raiders ended up getting for Adams, they were going to have to pay more to go up three spots in the draft to get the wide receiver that they were going to want. So why not just eat, eat the money with Adams because you already know what you're going to get. So teams are probably realizing we're okay with having Russell for two, three years, four years, Look at what happened with Peyton Manning going there. Look at what happened with Tom Brady. We're in the now where some franchises are, we want our franchise quarterback, but we may not be in a place to succeed immediately. So uh, this could be a way of just jockeying for the time being. We'll move these veteran quarterbacks because it. But I guess my point point to you, Scott, is I want to bring it back to how I originally started the conversation is I don't think anything would have changed this veteran carousel anything it, it was just time for russell wilson to go it, it was time for aaron Rodgers to have this moment it was t- you know what i mean like it, matthew stafford was always going to leave detroit at some point and the rams made an offer that they simply couldn't refuse but if there was a, a an andrew luck or a trevor lawrence or a you know those uh, ultimate game-changing quarterbacks that uh, were going to be in the draft I, I think it may have altered how some of this played out even more so because that conversation, that variable that is in there would have made teams second guess even more. Whereas because of the, you know, leading into the, into this off season, there were no quarterbacks in the first round. If you remember back in September, everyone was grading right. these quarterbacks, even into the season. Oh, there's no way that that quarterback's going to be in the first round, but we know that always happens. And now look, now they're saying there could be three quarterbacks going in the first round because they get overinflated with all the analysis. So I think if there were those two, three, four slam dunk quarterbacks, I don't want to say last season was slam dunk quarterbacks, but the, the market for those quarterbacks was much higher than it is this season this, for this draft. So I think if that was right now, we may be having a completely different conversation and maybe some of these players that were traded may be on different teams, but it, I, maybe the carousel still would have worked. Yeah, it just I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I, I'm, I'm trying to, to 
go down your path, and then I'm looking at the draft lineup here. The only thing I think would have changed, Scott, is that the Lions would be taking a quarterback, and then Houston would be taking a quarterback at two and three, <laughs> and that's just not going to be the case this year. But those teams weren't in, you know. Nor do I think it would have changed the Deshaun Watson situation. They were trading him no matter what, no matter what, whether they had a new quarterback or not. You know, whether it's Davis Mills or or whoever the heck is going to be the starting week one quarterback for that team. But, you know, could the Giants have traded some of their, their picks to get up to the top three? Sure. So some of the other teams that didn't get involved maybe would be involved if there was a draftable quarterback at the top of this draft. But I don't think it's changing Denver's approach. I don't think it's changing Pittsburgh's approach. I don't think it's changing New Orleans' approach. You know what I mean? Like, I... I just don't, you know, maybe Carolina does something stupid and goes crazy here, but I I just think it's kind of, it was just kind of the perfect storm. It was just time for some of these veteran guys to move. And whereas in years past, other teams that have wanted nothing to do with those massive expensive contracts and older players. Now with modern medicine and long, long, you know, elongated careers and this all in approach that, you know, many of these sports have adopted. Those guys are attractive and tradable versus that wasn't even a, 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 an argument 10 years ago. It wasn't, wasn't how things worked at that position. So I just think we found the perfect storm and we may not have it again for a while. So we should appreciate what this was, you know? And I, I agree with that. But the last thing I'll say to you know, back my side is if there were those quarterbacks in there, the conversation for uh, negotiation Say there were those top-tier quarterbacks in there, Atlanta, Carolina. The conversation for them going for Deshaun Watson would have been completely different had there been quarterbacks that they may have had their eye set if there was that must-have quarterback. Maybe they would go up three spots or two spots or you know, all the way up to number two if they wanted to trade out for Detroit. The conversation would have been different because of the the variable that was in there. because. What the, the teams that you had in for for him and other players, mm-hmm. th- they were one-upping themselves probably and say, oh, no, I'm going to add this pick in or I'm going to add this pick or this player or whatever it might be. Um, I just think the variables, had there been a... It would have been top- fascinating because Jacksonville at number one. Correct. So they would have absolutely traded out of that pick. So I'll, I'll give that one to you, right? Like Cleveland at 13, Seattle at nine, knowing what they were doing, Atlanta at eight, you know, the Giants at seven, Carolina at six, they're all in, excuse me, the Giants at five, they're all in for that number one pick. So I'll give you that. If there was a guy, the Jaguars would have been the prize possession at that number yeah, one pick. But keep in mind, Seattle being at nine wasn't Seattle at nine because that's a Russell Wilson I disagree. I, I, that was going to happen no matter what, is my point. <laughs> okay. It was going to happen no matter what. I disagree. They would have been there. So they would have been then in the conversation to go to one from, from nine, which is a tall task. But I'll give you that. There, there, were, there was at least going to be a second act if there was a draftable quarterback. Right. Understood. But, but before that, I think this, this stuff was just going to happen. You know, and I'm going to say it out loud again because it's crazy because I think what's about to happen, Scott, is Cleveland's about to eat about $9 million of Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option to trade him somewhere, maybe to Carolina. I just want to say this out loud so that everybody hears this for the 97th time. Baker Mayfield on an $18 million salary is going to get traded maybe with a pick and with 9 million or so retained to get traded. And Carson Wentz was traded all 28 million for two picks, two top 100 picks. Carson Wentz, 28 million, brought back two top 100 picks. And Baker Mayfield, at 18 million, needs half of that retained and maybe a pick thrown in to get out the door in Cleveland. That's Bonkersville. And you can't say one had more leverage than the other because Frank Reich went on freaking social media and in front of a camera and said, we're done with him. We're done with Carson Wentz. They said it out loud to the world and then still got what they got for him. And Baker Mayfield's about to get retained cash and maybe a pick thrown in to get out the door. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And maybe some smarter analytical guy out there can say, or Gail out there can say, you know, Baker is half the quarterback that Carson Wentz is most of the time. I don't think that's right. Do you? I don't. No, no. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's, I can tell you right now what it is. It's 10 million less. 
than what Washington's per, about per, to personality. pay. Personality, I think personality gets thrown into that. Variable so what? So you can't tell me that one of these teams. You can't tell me that Houston wouldn't take a one-year flyer on Baker Mayfield right now. What are we talking about? Just do it. Just do it. It's that's crazy to me. That is bonkersville. If this if that happens, um, but I do think it's a uh, it, it may temper next year. Is my point. It may temper. And by the way, if Tyreek Hill busts in Miami, right? Or, or some of these trades don't work. I mean, you know this with the NBA. It's certainly not a slam dunk when these superstars move around. You know, I, I don't think anybody believes James Harden's going to win a championship right now in Philadelphia. Do you? Not right now. Okay. Nope. Right. And, uh, you know, the Brooklyn team, that's, that's not winning championships. <laughs> Probably not this year as well. You know, that, that whole experiment hasn't worked. And, and L.A., the Westbrook era hasn't worked, but certainly they got one before that, as we mentioned. I... Uh, it's not a slam dunk. So for what these teams just gave up, Miami and Las Vegas, respectively, for Hill and, uh, and Adams, you're going to see why most teams don't do this. You're going to see. Now, it may work out great for one or the other, but it's an awful lot to get up. To your point, Scott, that is the right math, though. If we've got to go up to get the best wide receiver available in this draft, even though we know the contract's going to have a ton of value, why not just go get Devontae Adams? I think I agree with that math, and I think I want that to continue. So I'm not saying let's just shut this whole process down. I'm just saying buyer beware here because missing on a guy that's 32 million or excuse me, 20 million over four years, fully guaranteed, versus missing on a guy that you gave up basically the same draft compensation to go get, and then paid him what 70 million guaranteed, Tyree Kill, right? That. That, that's that's lose your job stuff. That's what that is. Yes. You miss on a first round pick, you, 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 you might lose your job. You miss on Tyreek Hill, you're done, I think. I think you're done. I mean, that's, that's a franchise changing trade and then contract. And that's a hell of a lot of cash out of that owner's pocket. So it's just, that's the risk you take. But I want it to keep happening. So I'm not trying to shut it down. Um, anything else? Anything else NBA wise, NFL wise? I'm, I'm trying to stay away from the free agency stuff a little bit because... As you might know, I put in way too many hours to put to do a a, a written article recap for everyone out there. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show here, there's a uh, a team by team breakdown of every player that was signed, every player that was lost, every player that was brought back and retained, every player that is available still in terms of that team's free agency list, and uh, some general thoughts on the signings and trades and acquisitions that, that have gone for every team. So it's a big, massive recap, really just about what, 12 days now into our, to the uh, new league year. Majority of the players have moved. There's still some names out there. I'm, I'm dying to find out where Tyron Matthew ends up because there's a part of me that wants him to join a really great team for a little bit less money, like a Chargers, like, uh, like a Tampa Bay, who could certainly do some damage with a player like that. Um, but there's some names. There's certainly some names out there. Not so much the weapons. Those have all been kind of uh, snatched up. And, you know, for the most part, teams are in draft mode with that. But best available on that list and certainly the, uh, the ins and outs and the backs and, the, and, and my general thoughts. So that's where I put my free agency time this weekend. I'll certainly get back to it as more signings come in. And we'll uh, touch base on that probably on Wednesday's show, Scott, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if, if you haven't checked them out, you're an NBA fan, check out the pieces Keith has been doing. Obviously, we talked about the Zion one. Uh, Bradley Beal was back in the news last week, so his article was, you know, uh, spot on with his options. He's done some for Tyler Hero, Zach Levine. Um, yeah. we, we've got another one coming. Um, DeAndre Ayton's going to be coming here. So fascinating check, with this whole Sun it, situation. Oh, it is, and and I'm glad he's doing such a deep dive into these, and he's had a blast doing them. Uh, so check those out, see what players could potentially be making here in the upcoming off season with extensions and everything like that. Um, yeah. and then I think, I think I started putting a list together here and maybe next week or when we get some downtime, uh, whenever that may happen, uh, I started compiling, you asked me to do so uh, quitters <laughs> and we're going to have to go down this list because I, I thought it was going to be just this short list and I, it spiraled out of control where I was going down through holdouts and notable uh, NFL players that were holding out with the, their draft back in the day. Sure. And, and so 
we're, we're going to just have to run through some of the, these lists just to see what you remember or not remember and just see what kind of conversation we have. Sounds good. Thanks, Scott. All right. Have a good one. All right. My thanks to Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off that first year subscription. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast. Track Podcast.